Welcome to the Celtics Pride Podcast on Celtics Blog. This is Mike Minkoff. With me, as always, Josh Motenko. Oh my goodness. Instant reaction here right after the game ended. Yeah, I'm barely barely breathing. We are uh, sadly sadly without Adam Motenko this, uh, this evening as we record immediately following the Celtics' exhilarating uh, 116-108 win over the Milwaukee Bucks uh, in Game 4 of the Eastern Conference Semifinals. Uh, Adam is out with health and safety protocols. Um, but Josh, holy cow. What is your first reaction? What, what, I mean, at, I at, can't believe that I have to podcast because I'm speechless right now. At <laughs> what worst, point? Worst way to be for a podcast. At what point in the evening did you actually think the Celtics were going to win the game? For sure, <laughs> dude. I still, th- I still think we're about to lose that. Yeah, game. Giannis is still about to get one more Euro, Euro step drive to the hoop, elbow three people along the way, and somehow have the foul called against the Celtics. But let's let's hit the highlights yeah, here. Let let's let's hit let's hit some real high points. Um, just a uh, as I said, one sixteen one oh eight. Al Horford, beautiful, wonderful, ageless Al Horford with a plus twenty on the game. His line was 30 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists on 11 or 14 shooting, 5 for 7 from 3, 3 for 4 from the line. He was the primary defender on Giannis. He's uh, undefeated against Father Time. Uh, he was absolutely incredible this game. Jason Tatum with a 30-piece uh, as well, 13 rebounds. Huge game on the boards for him and 5 assists. Um, Josh... Talk to me a little bit about Al Horford. I I might need to only talk about Al Horford on this podcast. Yeah, we've needed Al Horford to be our best player on the team. In the last two games, he's risen to the occasion. It's like, it's it's really incredible to me what he's done. Um, You know, like when Giannis stared him down and got got that T, which should not have been a T for taunting. Um, after Giannis dunked on him and he was like, okay, all right, mm-hmm. yep, good move, good move. Like you could tell he was gearing up for something. And I mean, five for seven from three, he only missed three shots all game long. It's it's incredible. Yeah, I I can't, I, I don't even know where to begin with him. I too am a little bit speechless. I mean, so we talked before the playoffs. I, you know, half jokingly, uh, ad- admittedly was um, – but, but said to you and Adam, I was like, Al Horford might be the second most important Celtic in the playoffs. And, you know, what, what I really thought he was going to be important, and I, I thought he's one of the best Giannis defenders in the league. I think he's one of the best Joel Embiid defenders in the league. And I think his ability to stretch the, the floor to the three-point line um, is becomes really significant in the playoffs because you when you have guys like Brooke Lopez or even Joel Embiid trying to making them pull out all the way to the three-point line, makes a big difference on your ability to kind of get into the part of the deep. But I, you know, this is Al Horford's first 30 point game ever with the Celtics. It is his playoff career high in points. I, I, I never would have imagined he would be this impactful as a scorer in particular. Um, I am just blown away by what he's been doing. Uh, it, it's, it's, I mean, his defense, you know, he, he wasn't 
I, I wouldn't say it was his best defensive game against Giannis. There were more game, times this game that Giannis kind of just got past him to the hoop. But I think I think I can look the other way on that <laughs> with how we played the rest of the way. I mean, I don't know. Any other any other thoughts on on Horford? I mean, I was definitely wrong about him. I thought he was close to being done when we picked him up. Uh, watching him last year, that's how he looked in Oklahoma City. To me, he looked as a half step slower than he was the year before in, in Philadelphia. And, you know, it's been a long time since he was with the Celtics. So I mean, I, I'm going to uh, take the credit here for, for the, and take the L on that prediction. Um, and, and you were really excited about that pickup and seeing how impactful it was, even at the beginning of the season, even during our struggles early in the year. You know, he's just been Mr. Consistent. And our young guys have relied on him their whole careers now uh, to kind of save them in moments just like this. Um, and, you know, kudos to, to Tatum for driving over and over throughout the game to pass and hitting Horford for open shots, Grant Williams for open shots. Um, it was a total team effort tonight, and, and that was exemplified by Horford being as involved as he was. Yeah, well, so t- going to Tatum um... – so again, he had 30 points, 13 rebounds, five assists. At the half, Bill Simmons tweeted out uh, Tatum had nine points. He had, I believe it was no f- two free throws and no assists. Um, so that means in the second half, he ended up with 21 points, five assists, four free throws. Um, at some point in, I, I can't recall if it was a late third quarter or uh, kind of early-ish fourth quarter, but I think Jason Tatum just remembered he's like, I'm Jason freaking Tatum. Uh, he, every time he had Wes Matthews on him, he got his shoulder down, not his arm, not his forearm extended. He got his shoulder down inside of Wes Matthews body and drove aggressively to the cup, had Matthews instantly on his side, on his hip. And then he was able to either make plays at the hoop um, or make, you know, uh, make passes to guys in rotation, you know, with the defense in rotation. Um, he made a lot of tough contested, you know, layups. Um, didn't get too bogged down by complaining to the officials, uh, in the second half, you know, he still, he still had a couple like that one where he like laid it in falling down, you know, he didn't get back on D and I think I can't remember if that was the one where Grayson Allen hit the three or, uh, Wesley Matthews I think it was the Matthews three in the corner but you know overall Tatum uh, I I tweeted sometime in the first uh, in between the halves I was like Tatum has a lot of growing to do it's going to be interesting to see if it's this series or this offseason and I I thought he really showed out in that second half um, and really played a lot tougher than he had been for the for the previous game and a half so that was really really good to see any any other thoughts on Tatum? I got one other Celtics player I want to I want to highlight before we Yes. Go. Somebody told Tatum that he need that what stars do is get their teammates involved throughout the course of these games and then take over late. That's exactly what we are, did. So Are you reporting you, this you or or are you and <laughs> are you uh uh surmising? <laughs> oh, I have no sources and I'm seeing it on the court. I'm seeing that that somebody told him to get everybody else involved throughout the course of the game and then take over late. So, you know, you said he realized I'm Jason freaking Tatum. We don't want him realizing that any sooner. 
Yeah. We want him realizing that when he's meant to in the fourth quarter, because that is what stars do. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. So, do you if you had to guess, who do you think the other player I'm gonna I want to highlight here? We didn't talk about any other players to highlight. Uh, Grant Williams. No, no. Cool. So Grant Williams, love Grant Williams. Uh, he was actually minus 17 on the game. He had nine points, four rebounds, uh, and he didn't play pretty much at all in the fourth quarter when the Celtics kind of really took control of the game. The Celtics outscored the, the Bucks 43 to 28 in the fourth quarter. That's mind boggling. Um, no, the player I want to highlight, the other big trade acquisition by Brad Stevens this season, Tice? Derek White, Derek White. Oh. He played 34 minutes. He was plus 18 on the game. He had 11 points, four boards, three assists. Stellar, stellar defense this game. He had a couple of big defensive plays uh, when he was ended up switched on to Giannis, um, defending Giannis in penetration. He had, a, I don't know, maybe five, uh, six great defensive sequences defending Drew Holiday trying to get to the cup. Um, he was phenomenal. Uh, I, I think a lot of what he does kind of gets overlooked because he just never does, he doesn't do spectacular things. Even when he had the breakaway uh, fast break, he like had one of those two hand dunks where you like barely get it over the rim. <laughs> you like place it into the basket. Like nothing. Yeah, he Derek, dunks it the same yeah, every time. Nothing Derek White does is spectacular, is explosive, is like highlight worthy, but he does the right thing. And the subtle things so freaking well. His his footwork and and body positioning um, on defensive drives, and especially when it gets down near the hoop, he's always been one of the best guards defending near the basket. It yep. he had so many exceptional contests down by the hoop, and in particular on Drew Holiday, who kind of has had his way when like getting matched up against someone like Al Horford. Um, Derek White was a huge huge factor in this game. Derek White is is just like Al Horford in that he is the perfect glue guy. He's the perfect connector, and what he does on the court, like you're, it's not going to show up in the stat sheet all the yeah. time. And so, when everybody, the national media, the local media, is trying, is wondering and assessing right now, was that trade worth it? This guy needs to score more points. He's got to shoot better from the three than twenty seven percent. Like, was this trade even worth it? We gave up this future pick that my brother Adam is still upset about, and <laughs> which we might not give up. And it's like, <laughs> and it's like you're not you, you can't <laughs> measure you can't measure Derek White's impact that way. Just like you can't measure Al Horford's impact. And Gordon Hayward, I would argue, is similar. Uh, he's a little. Well, I think he's a little bit. He has a little more flash and top level talent than those two, but it's similar in that a lot of what he brings to the table is kind of you know, under the radar things that, that help a team play better basketball together. Marcus Smart is exactly the same. These guys are all people who pass the ball. They're connectors. Yeah. And I think that's a trend among that player type. Uh, but just to have another point guard late in the game like this to uh, to pass it to as we're trying to break a press and let him dribble and dribble up and get fouled and go to the line and knock down the free throws, like having another true point guard who knows how to close out a game besides just Marcus Smart is, is vital for this team too. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, I love the pickup at the time. I love the pickup even when he wasn't doing, having great offensive games. I love the pickup even more now. If, you know, 
that this game was as must win as it gets uh, in a, in a non-elimination game. Um, I, it's very significant that he was playing 34 minutes this game uh, in a win. Right. So, yeah. okay. There's a, there's a subject we haven't touched on. We haven't had a chance to address on, on the Celtics pride podcast. It's if you uh, live in the Celtics Twitterverse, uh, you've you've certainly been seeing the chatter. And I think even if you don't live in the Celtics Twitterverse, you've probably been texting your friends or just screaming at the TV uh, because the refs in game three and four, I think, left quite a bit to be desired for Celtics fans. I like to consider my I don't know, Josh, how long have we been doing podcasting together? Like two, three years, somewhere in that range, right? Two, Yeah, two years. How often have I complained about refs? Not, not often. Yeah. I, I try Why, really are you hard about to? <laughs> not to complain about refs. I, I, I feel like some podcasters on this podcast named Adam occasionally will complain about refs and I try to push back, but I have been very frustrated with the refereeing this series in part. I mean, Giannis, must be a exceedingly difficult human being to legislate if you're a referee on the on the basketball court he's so explosive so fast so big so strong uh and his limbs literally go everywhere it's probably impossible to keep track of them but the amount of times that he has kind of inadvertently hit celtics players in the face without any repercussion and then like the one time al horford has an explosive dunk possibly in his career and he enthusiastically like swings his hands down and inadvertently hits Giannis in the face. He's called for a tech because it's a dead ball. Like things like that are beyond frustrating. Uh, do you think I'm, well, I'm is, uh, Al being... Horford, oh, is Al Horford supposed to keep his hands straight up after he dunks all over somebody too? Like, uh, yeah, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. where else is his arm going to go, but back down into the socket, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. his yeah. elbow's going to go down by his side. That's where his arms yeah. will end up. Yeah. It's. And when, and when you foul him, like it may, it may end up on you, you know, I think that, I think overall the league is looking at all this incidental contact um, and, and overdoing it a little bit. Uh, but the refs in general are overdoing it all the way. I mean, it's like, I, it it boggles my mind why the referees don't want to ref the game as if you can't tell that they're there. Like that's usually how you know a ref is good is if if you didn't really even notice them making the calls that needed to be made, being fair. You know, like these refs, it seems like they want to put on a spectacle. They want the attention for themselves. They want to be in the spotlight. Um, I don't think the refs were worse on the Celtics than they were for Milwaukee in this game or game three. And I don't think the coaches think so either. I think both coaches, all the players, they're all fed up with the refs. And I think it's equally bad on both sides. Uh, but it's still a problem. And not just in this series. Throughout the playoffs, it's been like this. Yeah, I I did not. I, I felt like the C's got um, a pretty rough whistle in the first half of this game uh, in particular. In the third quarter, uh, Milwaukee had you know, way more free throws than us, but they were also way more aggressive going to the hoop. But I thought in the first half, there were a lot of, a lot of really, really questionable calls. Um, And there were cases like Giannis driving. He, again, inadvertently hits Marcus Smart in the face. Marcus Smart stops. He's a defensive player of the year. He doesn't like give up on plays. 
like <laughs> he probably got hit in the face. And uh, I don't know. The the league is very inconsistent. Giannis is getting the superstar the superstar treatment. It's very frustrating. And I really, my, my cap on all of this is I am wildly, wildly, wildly impressed with the mental resilience and toughness of this team as a collective. Um, both games, both games, three and four. They had a lot of stuff that wasn't going their way. They were frustrated by calls. Uh, in game three, they got down by 14. In game four, they were down by 11. In both games, they, they came all the way back. They had late leads. Game three, they didn't quite pull it out. But in game four, they pulled away. I thought both were really, really remarkable. I think that the physicality of this series is such that the fouls actually matter more. This is a really difficult series to officiate because it's so physical. But if the refs are going to call, it's just a, it's, they got to call something. They, they people are flopping all over the place. Whether it's Marcus Smart and Derek White and Grant Williams, or how dare whether it's you, Jordan Marcus Hill. Smart and Derek White have never flopped a day of their life. How dare sure, you? Sure, sure. You could probably, <laughs> yeah. Would you say the same about Grayson Allen, George Hill? No, Grayson, and Grayson Matthews. Allen, Wes Matthews, and George Hill have never not flopped. They don't. They've never. These are some actually of the best people. This, this series matches up some of the best floppers and uh, fakers of contact and sellers of calls in the league currently. There's three on each team, and uh, it's just it's just a really difficult series. But what it means is that these fouls matter so much, and you know we've been in foul trouble this game, last game. Um, more so than the Milwaukee Bucks, and we've overcome that. So that's been a huge, huge testament to our mental toughness, like you were saying, Mike. Yeah, I've been I, – I think it's been just really, really impressive. Um, this team, you know, uh, with about nine minutes to go, I, I think I tweeted out, I was just like, no matter how the rest of this game ends, because with about nine minutes, I think it was tied or Brooke Lopez had just gotten to the free throw line and hit two free throws. So maybe it was like 94, 92, it was somewhere around there. Um, and I was like, at that point we had, you know, we had come back from the 11 point deficit. We had tied, we had taken a short lead, they retied, etc. And I was just like, gosh, no matter how this, the rest of the game goes, this team just gives you so much to root for over and over again. Like it's amazing that this is the same season where we had Dennis Schroeder <laughs> and like three months of pain and misery, like October, November, and December were so frustrating two and a half months um, because, you know, the team since the end of, of December uh, and over the last four months has just been pure joy uh, to watch and root for um, and their fight and resilience and togetherness um, on the whole is, is truly impressive. So we're keeping this one short. Um, the game, the game concluded late. It's on the East coast. I've got a regular job in the morning and I got to produce this sucker. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, uh, as a wrap up question here, Josh, it's two, two, we're going back to Boston. We all predicted the C's in seven before the series. And before we knew about the Chris Middleton injury, um, what, are you sticking with season seven? Do you have a different take? What 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 do you? How are you feeling after four absolutely brutal gladiatorial games? <laughs> so my heart is telling me that the Celtics are not going to win this series. My heart is telling me we should not have won this game today, 
and it feels like we lost based on how we played. Uh, my mind is telling me, wait a second, we just won that game. It's 2-2. Stick with your prediction of seven games. Uh, so uh, it depends who you're asking. What, what so, about you, Mike? And then I have one stat to end with. I So, as I said, I, we, had, we had all picked season seven before the series. Uh, when Middleton went down, my my I didn't feel that comfortable saying out loud anything less than season six, though I didn't wouldn't mentally rule out season five. Obviously season five isn't isn't happening. Um I I think I'm just gonna stick with season seven. But here's why I what I think we we have seen the last couple of games that's worth noting and that I think it just it's gonna continue. Giannis has absolutely faded in the fourth quarter. So he's come out, he's had huge third quarters in games three and four, but he's completely faded in the fourth quarter in both games. And I don't think that's a mistake. If you remember historically, uh, people always got on Bud for not playing Giannis longer minutes. And Bud was like, he can't play more than like 34, 36 minutes the way he plays. Giannis was at 41 minutes tonight. I think there's some truth to what Bud was saying. Like he just, he gets gassed and then he's way less effective. Um, And I think we've got with like, if Rob Williams is hurt, this, this gets, we get closer to teetering on the line, but we have just enough guys that we can throw at him between obviously Grant Williams and Al Horford. Uh, Jalen Brown did much better in the one-on-one matchups. Marcus Smart took a couple turns switching on Giannis. Uh, we can throw just enough guys at Giannis to make sure he's exhausted in those fourth quarters. And this is like a heavyweight boxing match. And we just have to outlast, outlast Giannis, outlast the Bucks, and have that finishing kick. And that's what we did this game. We did that in, in game three and didn't quite close it out. But I think that's a really promising omen for us. What do you think of that theory? I like that. I like that a lot. Um, Mike, I got a stat for you. It feels like we are living and dying by the three. Does it feel like that to you? You know, I think before this game, it felt more like that. I didn't feel like we shot particularly well from three this game. I guess we were 38%. But that, I mean, I, it, I'm i actually a little encouraged by that. Because, like, we did not have a tremendous game from three. And we were still able to grit out. Like we were 38% from three. We were 50% from the floor. We actually got shots at the rim. I thought more this game than we have before, but I feel like I'm ruining your, your theory here. So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, I felt, I felt this whole series, like we're going to live and die by the three. They like, you know, and I wanted to look up the stats to see if that was true or not. Uh-huh. So obviously tonight's game, we're nine for 33 from three. I was like, okay, well, what about the no, last no, 14, game? 14 last for game. 37 tonight? Oh, 14 for 37. Okay. Yeah. Well, then my numbers are wrong. My stats wrong. Okay. Uh, but we're basically, we're uh, based on my <laughs> calculations, we were Real we the exact same here. percentage in wins and losses. <laughs> well, maybe we cut that part out. But even if we don't, uh, you know, we've always got you with your Celtics fix here. We're on Apple, Spotify, all the platforms. So go there, give us a rating, review, subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at Celtics Pride Pod or individually at Mike Minkoff NBA and at Coach Motanko. Or send us an old-fashioned email at CelticsPridePodcast at gmail.com. If you're still listening, you are a part of Celtics Pride.